0: Today's JJ Reddick podcast is brought to you by Belvedere Vodka. Producing one of the world's longest-running distilleries, Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all-natural vodka. Crafted by a collective of master distillers, Belvedere is made with non-GMO Polish rye, pure water, and no additives. Recognized for quality, Belvedere was named the ISC World Vodka Producer of the Year in 2015, 2016, and 2017. Enjoy a delicious cocktail with Belvedere Vodka today, and remember to always drink responsibly. We're also brought to you by SeatGeek, the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. I've actually used SeatGeek three times in the last week. I bought tickets for Mets games once and Yankees games twice. And the app, the site, the ticket delivery, it's all seamless. It's the best way to buy and sell tickets. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, use promo code JJ. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. Welcome to this week's episode of the J.J. Reddick Podcast. I have a great guest today. It is Utah Jazz guard Donovan Mitchell, who I think will be the Rookie of the Year runner-up. Do you have a grudge against teams that didn't draft yet?
1: Um, I will say that it would have been cool to play on Michael Jordan's team. I will say that. that would have been pretty pretty cool. So when we play Charlotte, it's an extra life. You know, and Michael Jordan, like Kobe Bryant as one of those guys for me this year that kind of, I kind of developed into a, a mindset of like, he's just a straight killer, you know, and Michael Jordan had that same mindset. So, you know, to be able to pick his brain every day would have been pretty special.
0: Donovan is a guest that I've wanted to have on the pod for a while. I'm happy that we got it worked out. We met here at the CAA offices in Midtown Manhattan and had a great conversation with Donovan. Before I get to my conversation with Donovan, I just wanted to do a couple housekeeping notes. Um, This episode will come out. There's going to be a short little break until free agency. I'm going to go to Italy with my wife uh, for a week, uh, and then free agency will happen. I will have a post-free agency pod for you guys explaining my decision, my thoughts, Um, maybe some questions as well about my decision that come from you guys. Um, So I'll be sure to set up a mailbag and a Twitter question so you guys can get me some questions about free agency. It's weird. I did this documentary, mini-documentary, last year, um, and I think the takeaway from that documentary for me was how anxious I was about free agency and we had to cut out a lot of my anxiety from the footage. Um, this year is is different. I, I just I, I feel different going into it. Um, I'm I'm much more relaxed about what will happen, what could happen. Um, you know, whether it's perspective or whether it's just coming off a year where I really enjoyed the game. I'm, I'm just you know I'm in a good place heading into free agency and 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 hopefully. Um, you know, it all, it all will work out. Uh, this pod with Donovan Mitchell will come out Thursday, June 21st, the morning of the 2018 NBA draft. This time of year, I always think back to my draft memories. Um, when they introduced me prior to, to the draft starting, I was, um, I was booed by the crowd at MSG. And then I had Mark Jones interview me live, asking me about <clears throat> uh, my DUI prior to the draft. Um, the, the real feeling I had when I was drafted and heard my name called was a sense of relief. Um, and I think this is a lot of why I have some anxiety sometimes about, about free agencies. You know, I think as human beings, we want to know our, our future. We want to have certainty in our lives. And that waiting period between when college basketball season ended and when your name is called on draft night... Um, you know, your your mind can go a million different ways. And I think a lot of times in free agency, they're very similar. Your, your mind can go a, a million different ways about possible scenarios. And there's this sense of relief when a decision has been made, whether that's by a team drafting you or by you accepting a contract offer from a team in free agency. Uh, the draft itself is really interesting to me because it is sort of a crapshoot and you can hit consistently, year to year, and then you can have a dry spell, both as an organization and as a front office. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like, what the listener, what you guys think is a good sort of batting percentage, to use a baseball analogy, what is a good batting percentage over a five- or ten-year run for a team and a front office uh, in terms of really hitting on the draft? It's one of the reasons that Sam Hinkie's approach to the rebuild in Philadelphia, um, was was innovative and smart. You know, he re- he recognized that it wasn't just about drafting high in the draft; it was about having as many draft picks as possible, and having as many plate appearances as, as possible, uh, and trying to hit essentially a home run and, and draft a franchise player. The return on that, of course, is that you know we we had high num- high number one picks, high lottery picks. And uh and obviously have two foundational pieces to, to show for it in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I'm gonna start my conversation with Donovan right now. We're gonna talk about the NBA draft and a bunch of other things. Let's go. Donovan, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I've been I don't wanna gas you up too much. I've been <clears throat> thinking about over the last like nine months who my sort of optimal basketball guests are mm. and your name kept popping up you were at the top of the list so i, appreciate I really appreciate the time
1: it. i appreciate that
0: and you're in new york i assume for some draft related stuff
1: yeah i'm um, here for the draft appearances and i'm gonna be doing a lot of social stuff too so it'll be it be fun
0: it was um just about a year ago that that uh your draft happened and this time of year for me I always brings back draft memories mm-hmm. and what that night was like for me. Um, what do you remember about uh, your NBA draft night?
1: Um, I remember working out until that Wednesday, uh, for that when the Knicks was my last workout. So I really didn't get to get to go through all the the media and all the interviews and all that stuff. I didn't really get to do all that because I was still doing my draft workout, thinking I was going to go number eight to, to New York. So, um, but when I got here, the the it was just crazy, uh, ang- anxiety. You know, I really didn't know what to expect, uh, where I was getting picked. You know, I thought I was going to Charlotte. Uh, actually, I was thoroughly convinced I was going to Charlotte, and then um, that didn't happen. And I was kind of nervous after that. And then I got picked by Denver, and um, they didn't know I got traded till I got off the got off the stage. And uh, from there, it was just pure excitement. After that, instead of being so nervous and anxious,
0: you said you thought you were going to the Knicks. Mm-hmm. You thought you were going to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. You thought you were going Detroit. to Detroit. Yep, because you didn't miss in their workout. Didn't miss. And and Utah was sort of this. This far away thing. In
1: 2024. 20, yeah.
0: And... When you got off the—which st- is so awkward, so you put the Denver Nuggets hat mm-hmm. on, <laughs> you go up on stage, and then you're walking off stage, and that's the moment when they said, hey, you've, yeah. you're in a trade and you're going to Utah. Yeah. And what was what was your sort of first reaction when you I, heard that?
1: I was excited. You know, I kind of gave like a little fist bump. I tell that story at the time. I gave a little fist bump because I was happy. You know, I, I mean, not that I was saying I wouldn't be happy going to Denver, but I was really happy that I went to Utah. You know, when you look at the Denver's roster at the guard spot, they had four— I would have been the fifth guard, you know, on a team that had three guards that started and played a lot of minutes. So to go from there to, to Utah where they had talked about having an opportunity there. You know, obviously there were a lot of guards there as well, but having the opportunity and they were really excited about me and they traded up, which showed a lot of uh, interest in me as well. I think that's what really got me excited.
0: You you have to speak well of Utah because you play there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for I think for a lot of NBA guys, there's um, – They don't have like the most positive feelings about Mm -hmm. utah obviously we we all recognize its natural beauty Mm -hmm. um what is it about living and playing in utah that most nba players don't understand what makes it so great
1: i think the first thing that stands out you know i'm from here you know the the city and whatnot I've, i've played in the city my whole life you know you don't really get to see mountains and land I guess so when I get there it's kind of just a place where I can just decompress and relax you know I don't have to worry about you know horns and sirens at 3 a.m. you know it's just one of those things where you could just be be in a place where it's peaceful and in tranquility you know I think that's what I like most about it the people there aren't as mean as they are up here and you know uh the fans they sell well, out to, every to night
0: opposing players to opposing are. players yeah exactly I mean, you got Mitt Romney taunting Russell West.
1: <laughs> exactly like that's that's the stuff I like you know they sell out every night whether yeah. we're playing the number one team in the in the NBA or the or the the last team place team in the NBA and, you know that dedication is something I like because you've, you've seen it there have been arenas I played in this year that my high school team my high school gym has <laughs> had more people in there so you know right. the dedication uh from the fans is incredible and then on top of that you know playing for an organization that genuinely Cares. You know, I feel like obviously everything's a business and everything If The decision came down to it. You know, you could be gone then I could be gone tomorrow, you know. Yeah. But, you know, there's a feeling that like people actually and I hear it from guys who come in and, and, and who have left that, you know, they actually care. You know, they care about the right things and they're not just in it for whatever it may be. You know, and I think that's something that really stands out.
0: The the culture that you're talking about mm-hmm. um, was that something that you anticipated? Was that something that you had experienced before? Maybe at Louisville. Yeah, Louisville? it's been the Louisville? Louisville.
1: Louisville. Louisville. I say Louisville,
0: but it's Louisville. How do you pronounce the capital of Kentucky? Is it Louisville or Louisville? How do you say it? That's not the capital of Kentucky, though. <laughs> you're the first person that's ever got that joke. <laughs>
1: What I don't know the capital Frankfurt. 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 Yeah, Yeah. Frankfurt. I was like, I was like, hold on a second. I get everybody (laughs) with that.
0: (laughs) That wasn't even in my
1: notes. (laughs) No, but you know, the constant theme with me has been a home environment. You know, I have to be able to. Obviously, in this in this world, you can't really trust a lot of people, but you got to be able to have that sense of trust and uh, and feeling at home. When I got there to work out, you know, from the person that made our food to the person that drove me from the airport it just felt and have, even when I got drafted having the Millers pick me up the owners of the team pick me up from the airport and bring me to uh, was it the hotel? I think it was the hotel where we were at we drove to the hotel yeah, yeah they drove us to the hotel like you know that doesn't happen you know I think that's kind of what you're like man like there's actually genuine excitement genuineness about this pe- the people here and I think that that's what really attracted me and that's why I love it
0: you've only been in the league a year mm-hmm. I'm sure your teammates talk about sort of worst NBA cities. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that Utah ever gets brought up in that list, but do you have a list of a <laughs> few or maybe just one, like worst um, NBA cities?
1: To be honest, during the season, I never really w- walk around. Like if I'm on a okay. road trip, it's strictly. We can edit this out. Stri- I mean, no, you no, don't no, 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 no. <laughs> I haven't. To be honest, I'm not a fan of Philly or Boston. Just because I grew up in New York, you can't like you can't like Boston, you can't like Philly, and they don't like me, which really is cool. I kind of like that.
0: Um, Let's see. Not many people say that.
1: That The cities
0: they get brought up a lot. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to. I know Utah probably gets
1: brought up, and that's because places
0: guys don't necessarily want to live.
1: Yeah, 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 no, I, I get that, and I'm I've been in the city so much that it's like. second nature to me you know this is a different lifestyle for me now and I kind of enjoy being in a different spot Sure, I don't need the being out late and you know I don't need that you know especially coming into my first year where I kind of had no idea what to expect and I'm playing a lot but for me I like a city where you know I feel like like my thing with with Philly and Boston is the streets are narrow you know what I mean like it's just it's not the same as New York City you Mm -hmm. know what I mean streets narrow the I don't know how else to say it.
0: A so there's something about the wide-open spaces of Utah that I just, just speaks it's just to your cool. soul. Like,
1: and, I can, and I can drive for, like, the first time. And I'm, the speed limit there is, like, 15 yeah. to 20 miles faster than it is in any city. <laughs> so, like, I'm able to just cruise and just have fun. You know, yeah. I think that's—
0: I have a car different. in New York, and I'm not sure why I have a car. I drove here, it, and I never like a it. lot
1: different than yeah. <laughs> driving back in, in Salt Lake. Yeah. I got one more. I gotta remember it. Um, I'm gonna give you mine. Minnesota is cold. Oh my god! Minnesota is freezing. Yeah. I I can't do that. It's we played there
0: in April and it was
1: like two degrees
0: outside. Yeah. I, I can't do that. There's some cities that are better. I think if you're a baseball player, yeah. Like, if mi- summers in Minnesota are amazing. Yeah. I'm gonna give you my worst city because this this list like we talk but about this all the had, had, had time. time. Yeah, all yeah, the time. time. Like this list fluctuates. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes. You know, a city will make the top five, and then the next year I think I'll, I'll discover a new the year, restaurant. Yeah, what time of the year yeah. you go to? Right, like yeah. I did. I did All Star Break in Toronto. negative ten the whole time. That could give you a negative perception <laughs> yeah, of Toronto. But I also true. played there in the playoffs my second year in mid-April so when it was different. amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Indianapolis, though, for me is is really? number one. That's close to Louisville, so I can't. I, can't. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's close. I knew to I knew you were going to say that, but I don't know. It's just for me, it's. Um, what about it? There's nothing. I, there's just nothing there. It's like outside of the city of Indianapolis. I, I mean, I don't know. There's just nothing there. That's how my
1: college was. You know, outside of Louisville, there's like yeah. there's, there's country, like, it's like country and fields and farms. But I didn't really
0: leave horses much exactly, <laughs> and they love they love their horses down there too. Um, going back to the teams that passed you up. Um, there's a lot of guys, I, the guys that come to mind right away, like Draymond Green, mm-hmm. Paul Pierce, like those guys publicly coming out and saying, I'm going to hold a grudge against those teams that didn't draft me. Um, do you have a grudge against teams that didn't draft you?
1: Not all 12, <laughs> um, because like to be honest, you know, nowadays a lot of it is based off of hype. You know, you hear stories, I've heard stories recently that come out about guys who are no longer GMs of teams that wanted a guy and... People overrode him, you know, yeah. and it's one against four. Like, you, it's, it's that's how it is. So, not every team. um I will say that it would been cool to play on Michael Jordan's team. I will say that that have been pretty pretty cool. So, when we play Charlotte as an extra, like, you know, and Michael Jordan's and like Kobe Bryant as one of those guys for me this year. That kind of kind of developed into a a mindset of like he's just a straight killer, you know. And Michael Jordan had that same mindset, so. You know, to be able to pick his brain every day would have been pretty yeah. special. So, kind of when I play against them, it's kind of like okay, like you know, kind of get that that motivation, that feeling. And um, in Detroit, you know, because like I said, I didn't miss, um, but those two especially because as my agent Ty'll tell you, and my mom and sister after Detroit, I was like, all right, I don't know where I'm gonna get picked because right. I hadn't worked out for Denver, Miami. I got completely killed in the workout. And after that, I was like, why am I even in the green room? You know, so, like, now that, that's then playing in my head. So the top 10 teams, you know, they had their guys, and they right. have their guys who are slated to be top 10. So there was really, I was wasn't—like, if I got picked, it would have been cool. But if not, then, you know, I'm not expecting to be. You know, right. I averaged 15 points at Louisville lost in the second round of the March Madness. So, you know, for me, it was the range that I thought I was going in I didn't go that kind of— Right, put
0: some fire. It was in those you. teams. Yeah, I think it all becomes relative too. Mm-hmm. I think there's a good chance you end up being where well, you already are, but you end up being sort of a franchise cornerstone mm-hmm. and you play for a long time mm-hmm. uh, for Utah. Yeah. For me, it's not about the teams that that didn't draft me. It's mm-hmm. the teams that maybe traded me mm-hmm. or elected to not resign me in free agency. Yeah. You know, those are the teams that yeah, like yeah. now if I'm going in thirteenth year. Like, it's not that I hold grudges, but. Playing against those teams, your former teams, yeah. like that's it's different. You get you it's get different, certain, especially the yeah. first like year or two out. Exactly, it's it's really different. Um, you, you mentioned your draft range. You, your your mom is in the room right now, mm-hmm. and everybody knows like that. You know, she took some convincing, and you guys went back and forth about whether or not to stay in the draft. Um, to, to ju- to juxtapose that against where you are now a year later. I'm Mm. wondering if you've had any time to sort of reflect about everything that has changed over the last year, specifically, Mm. you know, how your life has changed off the court. Because I I follow you on Instagram, (laughs) and I've been noticing some things. (laughs) And mom, dad, if you guys want to chime in. Yeah, um, I got to drive a
1: Lamborghini for the first time in my life. You drove the Lamborghini. Yeah. I didn't buy it no okay. people. everybody keeps telling me to save my money like I bought okay. the car I haven't bought a Lamborghini I haven't bought a car okay. uh, to be honest so that's where that's where I'm at there was but.
0: also there was also some PJs, Yeah.
1: There yeah, were some yeah.
0: PJs to the Bahamas. Yeah, definitely. Got, got a hookup for that. So, okay. like, all those all things right.
1: that you see, it's not like I'm out there <laughs> no, spending all this crazy <laughs> hey, money man, we, on it. No. you got to enjoy your life, man. But yeah, I've always wanted to do certain things as a kid yeah. that now I have this opportunity to do it. And with whether it's with my mom, my sister, my friends, I just want to enjoy it because starting next week, you know, and all the traveling is pretty much done, and I'm back to, you know, getting back to work and, and whatnot. But... Um, To go from paying for my flight, barely having enough money to pay for my flight, my hotel room, to work out, to now being able (laughs) to drive a Lamborghini for two days randomly in L.A., you know, I think is from from the kid inside of me, that's like the craziest thing to ever happen, you know, and to have the season that I had. Um, you know, I still watch the games. I think I've watched about 20, the first 20 games already uh, from last season just because I can't believe it all happened, yeah. you know. But now I'm at a point where it's like, all right, that whole can't believe it nonsense is over with. Like, you're here, you belong, and now you got to, you know, you got to act like you're here, act like you belong. You know, there's no more... Oh my God! I'm playing against this, or I'm doing this against this person. Now it's going to be expected next year. Now people are going to be game playing differently. So I've had time for the past month and a half to kind of reflect, and um, now it's kind of like, all right, let's let's get on to, to next year. It's going to be a lot more to, to prove. You have a
0: reputation for being a uh, a humble guy. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you battle at all with um, fame? And I'm assuming now if you walked around New York City, mm-hmm. you get noticed yeah. probably way more than you did a year ago. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> if so, like, is that a struggle? Do you, do you struggle with sort of or do you, do you enjoy your anonymity, I guess is what I'm asking.
1: Um, I think for me, going to a school like Louisville allowed me to experience that early. Obviously not to this degree to where I'm going overseas and people are like screaming my name and waiting in airports. But like, it allowed me to realize the power that I have of, of being this athlete, you know, that I am. And it kind of prepared me a little bit for it. There are certain things that I realize I can't do. Like, I can't like certain things on, on Instagram and Twitter, as I figured out throughout the entire year. You know, like, that, that's the kind of stuff that's new to me. Yeah. You know, that I can't comment what I want. I can't say what I want anymore. But I don't struggle with it. I don't feel like it is a struggle. I think I use it more for posit- positive things than, than negative. You know, I'm not wanting to be doing crazy things like you see some guys do. You know, I don't really, I don't really do that. I gotta set a good example, not just for my my fans, but like my still have my sister, you know. So I gotta set a good example for her. And if I'm out there doing outlandish stuff, you know, then uh what example of I am I am for her. So I I don't really think I struggle with it. And it also helps being in a city like Utah where everybody they understand who I am and they understand what I what I've done but they, in the way they respect. Like my privacy, like if I'm out walking, they'll take a picture, but like it won't be here where I get followed for three blocks, right? Because a guy wants to ask a picture, but he won't, he'll just stand there and walk with me for three blocks. So now I'm like, is this guy trying to rob me? Like, why is he like following me? Like, stuff like that. So yeah. that's why, um, try riding really, the subway, yeah. it gets weird. <laughs> I can only, I can only <laughs> it imagine weird.
0: it gets weird. Uh, I'm not saying it's outlandish, but whose idea was the sweatshirt,
1: the rookie sweatshirt? It was adidas but we had already talked about it before i didn't know the timing of it was like impeccable (laughs) yeah because we had talked about it before i didn't know exactly where it was going you know i understood the concept of it and then when i saw it and then ben said what he said the day before the day before like i got in the mail that day so i was like oh this is perfect like we had two games like one of our last two games of the season or whatever i was like this is perfect like this is the perfect time to go out there and wear it, and that's just like the kid in me, like to have fun and, yeah. you know, I hadn't really said much the entire year,
0: but you know that just called for me to at least respond in some way. I talk about it all the time on on the podcast, but there's a level of trolling in the NBA mm-hmm. that that really just does not exist in other professional sports, <laughs> not at all. And it's almost it's it's just a it's a it's side entertainment, man. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. I I actually appreciated the sweatshirt. Um, you probably can guess where I stand on the rookie of the year debate, <laughs> um, but I, I, I couldn't find a, a quote from you where you t- specifically talk about the award and mm-hmm. sort of the significance to you. Like, h- it, how meaningful is would it be if you if you were rookie of the year?
1: Um, to be honest, my answer has changed in the past few months. Okay, you know, I winning the one by the players. Kind of changed my whole perception, you know, I kind of realized that you know maybe, like to be honest with you i I really don't think I'm gonna win, you know, because yeah, it's just how it is, you know, you're a big market, you know, whatever it may be, you know, I feel like I should you know, because my plea my peers voted me it, you know, so I'm not really worried about what analysts say, no offense to all the analysts, but, like they don't <laughs> have to guard me, you know so like that's how I look at it, you know so. For right now, like right, what I just said, I wouldn't have said five months ago. Yeah. You know, because now I kind of get it. I understand. You know, and so if I win it, I'd be the happiest man alive. But in the same right, it goes back to what I said before: that rookie season's over with. You know, yeah. I'm not trying to be the best player out of 60 or whatever, 60 or some whatever players. I'm trying to be the best out of the 450 in the league. So you know, if I don't win it, it's just more motivation and it adds to the fuel. But
0: so the, so the the award itself doesn't necessarily bring closure to this last (laughs) crazy year of your life you've already sort of accepted closure like i beat my
1: we beat the guy who i would sit literally sit in my gym and type in his highlights in russell westbrook and copy his layups copy his dunks like while i'm in the gym at 2 a.m and we won like that was that like was like incredible to me so that made my my year you know obviously we wish we would have beat houston and whatnot but You know, doing that and competing against him, going from one year ago, literally during pre-draft, trying to find ways to still emulate him, and then having to go out there and guard him and trading twenty-point quarters with him—like that's something I can, you know, for the rest of my life talk about. Yeah. So, no, the award doesn't really bring (laughs) closure for me at all.
0: That's fair enough. (laughs) That's fair enough. Is it okay when I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet out on Thursday when I link my pod? I'm gonna tweet out. My podcast with Donovan Mitchell, this year's Rookie of the Year runner-up.
1: <laughs> I don't know if you could say all that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> would you be offended? Definitely <laughs> okay. <I> would. Okay. <laughs> Fine. <right>, I won't. <sighs> I'm glad you brought up Westbrook. Actually, mm-hmm. I'm going to jump to a different section because uh, you you had you said you had your rookie of the your rookie moment mm-hmm. with Westbrook, where where you tried to talk to him on the court the first time you played him. <laughs> <up>. Yeah.
1: <laughs> See, like, what, I, what I'm saying, like, you you watch these guys' highlights so much, and you you kind of know their reactions, you know their tendencies. That it's like you feel like you kind of know them, like, you know, he'd be like, oh, like, yeah, like, oh, if I say something, he'll know who I am because yeah. I've watched him so much, and he's supposed to know that I've watched his highlights for so long. So, he got me on a pump fake, and I jumped and I fouled him, or whatever. And I was like, all right, good move, like, you know, just. I'll say it to anybody, but I figured you know why not just say it now. It's my first time starting too. Um, that our second time, excuse okay. me, because whatever happened to begin the game, I found out like thirty seconds before. So I get out there do that, and I said it to him, and he kind of just looked at me like, I was like, "Fuck, you talking to?" Like <laughs> I was like, that's when I was kind of like, "Oh shit!" Like, like now th- he, this is this is it. Like you know, yeah. this isn't. Some like uh, like walk in the park or whatever. Like yeah. it's, this is the real deal, and that's not a really, pickup game. Yeah, yeah, it really like changed my my mindset, and you know from that moment, for him telling me after we played him the last time, um, the re- last time regular season that you know he respects my game and you know keep killing dudes. Like you know it, went, it came a long way from that remark to him talking to me after the game.
0: Brings me back to my rookie moment. I didn't I didn't really play a lot in my rookie year. In right. fact, I didn't I didn't dress like in uniform Mm -hmm. for most games until like mid-January so I was always in a suit but early on in the season I guess we had an injury or something I got to dress out and they threw me into the game in the second quarter we were playing at Detroit. Um, This is when Detroit was Eastern Conference Mm -hmm. champions they were amazing and um, I checked in the game and immediately had to guard Rip Hamilton Mm -hmm. on an inbounds play and I just remember Rasheed Wallace who was sitting on the bench just heckling me mercilessly (laughs) Um, and I think Rip scored three straight times. And then Carlos Delfino, of all people, mm-hmm. dunked on me on a back cut. Ew. Yeah. And it was, I, I got dunked on by Jabal Murray this year. That's the other probably worst dunk I I've remember. ever had in my yeah. career. Thanks. on House of <laughs> Highlights. Um, and, uh, and I, I literally, I, I probably went into a shell after that game because like, of what Rashid was saying yeah. and I, it was so bad I remember at the end of that game like I caught a ball on the wing and there was like a five on three and I could have just driven in and laid it up and I drove in and just kept dribbling because <laughs> I, <was, laughs> I was so shook um, so it took, me a, it took me a while to feel like I was a peer mm-hmm. uh, with NBA players did you have a moment, a game, a stretch where you were like I'm, I'm one of them now and by one of them I don't mean just an NBA player yeah. I, I'm saying I'm one of them I'm a star I'm I'm a, I'm a Paul George I'm a Westbrook
1: I, um, you know it's not the popular thing to say like you know like what I'm saying like you know like what you're saying like you don't it takes a while to feel like for my the season that I had you know you got guys other rookies saying you know I was built to be I was made for this like no, it took me probably to like January, February to realize that, you know, I could do this. Despite all the success I had, you know, the yeah. 41 point game, whatever it may be, because I just felt like a time I was like, all right, they're going to adjust and I'm not going to know what the hell to expect. And my coaches just kept preparing me. You know, Johnny Bryan are like, we're very close. And every time we would play, he prepared me for whatever, going to whether it's like a, a blitz coming, channel two, channel three, like, and I was always ready, but I didn't realize how significant those lessons were. So it, every night I'd be like, all right. Am I going to go out there and be like I was the first 10 games of the season with, like, two points, eight turnovers? Or is it going to be, like, a game where I actually, you know, pass the ball well or am I going to shoot the ball well? And there were times, you know, you hear critics, oh, he shoots 20 shots a game, this, this, and that. You look – I hear it. Like, you know, (laughs) I I see it, you know. But I got to a point probably in January where I was like, look, I'm figuring this out on the fly. Like, I can't please everybody. This isn't college. You know, this is my first year. So let's go out there and just – play so it took me probably until about january february to realize that i was no excuse me february we had that um the 10 game winning streak and that's when i kind of realized that you know i was a significant piece to the team and an integral part in what we did
0: but also like someone who could be a staple in the the league let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors support for today's show comes from an innovative shampoo. I know when I think of shampoos that I want to use, innovative is the first adjective that comes to mind. The second um, being that it leaves my hair feeling um, um, moisturized. That's a, I love moisturized. Moisturized hair is great. Introducing Control GX, the first gray-reducing shampoo from Just For Men. Just For Men helps men look their best so they can celebrate who they are, what they achieved, and how they feel. Some of us want to celebrate our grays, If you don't want to celebrate your grays, then use Control GX. Control GX relentlessly innovates and delivers smart hair care technology that does the work for you, making it radically easy to get the natural look you want. And now reducing your gray is as easy as washing your hair with Control GX. Just use, as you would, your regular shampoo until you like what you see. Subtle, natural-looking results. When I shampoo, I generally like to do more of a scalp massage um, than just... You know, kind of pulling at the roots and uh, up to the tip of the hair. I really like to to stimulate the blood flow uh, in the head. Shampoo in, rinse out, move on. It's that easy. Uh, Most guys get the results they want in about two weeks You can look forward to a very smart look because when you look as good as you feel, every date night, every meeting, every guy's night out will be something to look forward to. You can get 25% off Control GX using code REGROWTH25 at controlgx.com. That's code REGROWTH25 to get 25% off Control GX at controlgx.com. I feel like this this ad is trying to tell me something about my greys. Belvedere. Produced in one of the world's longest-running distilleries, Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all-natural vodka. Crafted by a collective of master distillers, Belvedere is made with non-GMO Polish rye, pure water, and no additives. Recognized for quality, Belvedere was named the ISC World Vodka Producer of the Year in 2015, 2016, and 2017. Belvedere's unmatched quality reminds me of one of the greatest teams in the history of the NBA. The 19. 1982, 1983, Philadelphia 76ers featuring legends of the game like Dr. J, Moses Malone, and Maurice Cheeks, just to name a few. The 76ers won the championship that year in absolutely dominating fashion, eviscerating their opponents in each of the three rounds, only losing one game and coming dangerously close to making the great Moses Malone's famous faux-faux-faux prediction come true. Over the course of their storied history, the 76ers have always played a brand of basketball of unparalleled quality, just like Belvedere Vodka. Enjoy a delicious cocktail with Belvedere Vodka today. Remember to always drink responsibly and trust the process. All right, let's get back to my conversation with Rookie of the Year runner-up, Donovan Mitchell. Talking about heroes, uh, you mentioned Westbrook. I think I read somewhere that you had a LeBron poster on your wall. I know Chris and you have a Mm -hmm. very, CP and you have a very close relationship as well what was it like playing those guys for the first time were you in awe were you scared have you ever heard of imposter syndrome
1: no I've heard of it What you're it, literally it
0: describing like where you're thinking like I'm gonna when am I gonna have that two for ten game when yeah. are they gonna adjust like that essentially I mean that is imposter syndrome it's the yeah. sort of the notion that you're gonna be found out as a fraud and honestly mm. we talked about this <clears> on <throat> my Jason Sudeikis pod but Like, most high-level people have some form of imposter syndrome. Really? Yeah. So I'm wondering, those first few times where you're you're going against Westbrook or CP or Damian Lillard or LeBron, what's going through your mind?
1: It's kind of different for every player. Um, You know, when I guarded Westbrook, I told you I had that moment. Um, I played well. You know, I didn't really do nothing crazy. We won. That was the first time, only time we beat him throughout the regular season. Uh, We played CP— um, I'm trying to remember the first time. We played them he was hurt the first time we played him at Houston and I played okay, but Houston don't always give me problems. Trevor Reeves had just completely had me had my number throughout the, the whole year pretty much. Um, so having to guard T P I learned so much from having to guard him. You know, you can watch film as many times as you want, but you like I watched the playoff series where you guys played Utah, uh Last two years ago two years ago. Yeah, and I try him like like he gets the ball on the left side He's gonna cut back and do all this little stuff He goes right he does this, but it's one thing to watch it over and over But you got to experience it at some point you got to yeah. go through it So, you know as much as I want to send him right he's gonna come left <laughs> off the pick and roll somehow He's gonna get back to the yeah. left hand So that was more of a learning experience of CP because I've been playing with them all summer So the all kind of wore out after the first time he kicked my ass in the workout where he had five straight points without dribbling the ball from the elbow <laughs> against me and Luke. Yeah. So, like, that was kind of like that awe moment. That that moment I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to this be in the NBA. This before the draft. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't know if I should be in the NBA draft because, <laughs> like, he didn't take a dribble. He's scoring five five straight points, you know, so that happened. Then we played Bron, and I told I told my coach, I was like, man, like, I grew up a big Miami I was a Heat fan. I went to the decision. You know, I was the only Heat fan probably in the you decision. Were,
0: you were at the decision? Yeah. I, I didn't was know right
1: that. outside. Like, it was right down the street where I went to school. Sure. So, I was probably the only person celebrating during the entire ceremony or whatever, whatever you want to call it. And you know, I was cheering. My mom remembers I was, it was like 11 o'clock. I'm out there jumping and screaming when they won their first title. Like, I was a big LeBron fan. So, I get out there. Whatever we play, it was a close game. I'm hitting shots that I'm like, shoot, I'm we might win the game. You know, I'm hitting clutch shots. or getting close, but evidently he keeps switching, and I have to keep guarding him. And I get four straight fouls, and they end up winning the game. Then he talked to me after him and D Wade talked to me after, and I didn't realize like you know Brown was significant, but I didn't realize the impact of D Wade talking to me because now that I watch highlights and watch film, you know he was a guy that now i'm like all right how did he do this i gotta copy this i gotta copy that you can't copy braun he's six eight, two fifty. 250 you know (laughs) you can't you can't copy how he reads and all that stuff so i realized talking to those two was really like and if you watch the video you can see me go like this like with my shirt like kind of cover my mouth because i'm trying not to smile (laughs) you know i'm trying not to be like the little kid you know so um that was pretty much an awe moment but after that like it was like over. Like after we played them guys the first time, it was like yeah. now I'm ready to kick your ass. Like I don't really care yeah. about who you are. To me, what you've, whatever. I was ready. Is CP's trickery? Is
0: it? It's annoying, right? It's yeah. Every game, <laughs> I'm like,
1: and he just he just says whatever. He just throws the ball, and I'm like, come He's on, yelling like, at the refs. Yeah.
0: He's doing his little sweep through on the him, left block. I said, "There's block. gonna be a
1: day. There's gonna be a day where I get you a technical foul." <laughs> for, for it's gonna be a day, and I'm, that'll be the happiest day of my NBA career. I love CP. That's <laughs> my
0: guy. But he's got some bullshit with his name. <laughs> <laughs> like it's sometimes it's it's baffling to me. Um, I want to actually I want to actually talk about your mom, mm-hmm. um, and we're we're on the topic of people that have influenced you a lot. Um, there's a a great story that's been told a couple times uh, about her making you you miss an AAU game because I think it was eighth grade, right? Was it eighth grade? Yeah. Eighth and grade. Because you yeah. you um, you had to memorize a Public speech speaking. for school yeah. by Saturday, and you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Do Do you remember what the speech was?
1: I don't remember what the speech was, but I remember missing the game for sure and. It was pretty much a significant moment but I didn't realize it, you know, and I wasn't the greatest student. Pretty much a bad I was like a, not not a great student at all. You know, my favorite two subjects were recess and gym. <laughs> like those are <were> my favorite <laughs> subjects. And, you know, I never really wanted to do and I went to a really a school where you had to work hard. Like I went to Grand's Country Day School, a private school in Connecticut and you know, teachers didn't cut me any slack because I could play basketball. You know, and matter of fact they didn't even care that I played basketball and I think that helped me be where I am today, because without my mom doing that, I would have been able to feel like I would have been able to do whatever, you know, and I think it takes a while for you to learn and listen and, and figure it out, and eventually you start to figure it out, but that moment, you know, you not making a game, realizing, like, I got to get my work done, you know, and it didn't take, it took me to about my junior year of high school for it to finally click academically for me, because I had to qualify for, for college, right. otherwise, you know, I right. wouldn't be going to school. Right. Um, so I think it really clicked for me. I went to boarding school, so I was away from home, and I, and I really took that upon myself because of her to, to develop that that hunger, not so much on the court, but in the classroom, um, doing projects ahead of time. That way I can get into the gym late at night, um, waking up early before 6 a.m. to finish something I didn't want to finish the night before. Like, if I didn't want to do it the night before, at least doing it in the morning. That way I can get to class, I have it done. You know, finding ways to always make sure your work is done, because without work you know, then basketball eventually runs out, you know, yeah. basketball, she likes to say, she always says, you know, the, the ball gets flat, you know, and runs out of air, you know, and, but you keep the degree forever, and, you know, he went to Duke, and yeah. unfortunately, unfortunately, I didn't go to a school like Duke, you know, academically, you know, I went to Louisville, and not I many, plan many people on, can, yeah. <laughs> I plan on finishing, just you kidding. know, all right, <laughs> 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 I figure that's the, um, what do they call it, like the, um, it's the Duke elitism. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it is.
0: It's a real thing.
1: But uh, we, um, like, I plan on going back and finishing, you know, my, my degrees and whatnot before it, it takes too long. And, you know, like, I'm not trying to do it 10 years in a row. I'm trying to do it two three years into the league. That way I have it with me just in case, you know, never, we never know what may happen.
0: You're a, you're a grown person now. You're getting paid a nice salary. Mm-hmm. Probably will be on a max contract in, in three years. Hopefully, um, but h- how does how does her influence manifest itself now as a professional?
1: Um, I think a lot of it kind of plays into what you were talking about earlier about the fame, the the Instagrams, the all that stuff. Because without the right guidance, you, know, you could be doing reckless stuff. You could be you're not realizing how powerful you really are. You know, uh, she's a teacher at the school I went to. So being able to go back, like little things going back and visiting that, you know, you may not always want to do, but you don't realize that when you go there, you make a kid's week. Just to say he saw you, just say you walk into a class, if I go read to a kid in class, you know, just to realize that a kid could, like I've seen kids cry when I walk into a room before. Like, you know, that that's kind of like it hits home in me because there are times, there's been, a, there's one time I went, I met an NBA guy and I was about what? eight years old? Eight years old in North Carolina, and I went to get an autograph, and I turned around to get a pen, and I came back, and he was gone. So, like, that moment for me has stuck with me forever. So now anything that involves a kid, you know, I'm, I'm there for. You know, I think, and having her be a teacher at a school allows me to consist, consistently come back and understand how powerful I can be in a community like that. You know, and I think that plays into my professionalism, my, my me being humble, uh, because she told me basically after my sophomore year that I was, God was gonna humble me in a certain way because that was a year where I wasn't really who I am today. You know, I would leave class early if you had a game to go take a nap. And I was at boarding school, so like I'd be like, oh, I'm sick and go sleep in my dorm for three hours and be ready to play the eight o'clock game. Average 25, didn't play defense. Like I felt like I was the man on campus. And it just wasn't who I was. And a week before I broke my wrist, she told me that I was gonna, God was gonna humble me. So like she knew. Yeah. You know, so like that type of stuff allowed me to kind of realize that I need to be a certain person, you know, to be humble and to be the right person in order to be successful—not in this league, but just in life.
0: Yeah, we all have our sphere of influence. We all have our bit of power, whatever that is, to influence others, inspire others, and mm-hmm. make a difference. And you know, I think by and large, I think NBA players, for the most part, recognize that and 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 are. Doing an outstanding job of of holding that responsibility. Um, year two, yeah. you mentioned sort of managing expectations earlier. Um, what what is what are you doing this summer? What's what's the game plan this summer? I know you're a mm-hmm. film guy. Um, do you watch film in the summer? Yeah, one hundred percent. And what part of your game or what are you trying to add to? It, or are we trying to improve on?
1: Well. The thing about the Houston series is it allowed for me to see my weaknesses at a high, much higher level. You know, with the playoffs, and they did a great job. You know, CP, all those guys, game planning for me. Because now, I watched that series more than I watched the OKC one because I wanted to see why I had one point going into the fourth quarter in Game One and had no assists, no rebounds. You know, I have never, haven't done that all season, and to come and do that in the playoffs. You know, I had been riding a high wave to come into that series and kind of be. You know, everybody will remember the tip dunk and everybody remember the 20 point court or whatever, but they forget about the other games where I really didn't do much. You know, and Ricky yeah. came out, so I had to be more of a point guard, be more of a pass first guy. So now that allowed me to go into the summer and be like, look, I got to be able to make passes. I got to be able to throw passes on target. I got to make sure my turnovers are down, um, becoming a better defensive player, you know, being in shape t- to do both. You know, because there are times where I've played great defense and had terrible offensive games. And times where I've had great offensive games and had terrible defensive games because I wasn't in shape to do both. I didn't realize how much shape I needed to be yeah. in. So um, those are the, pretty much the two things right now. Hitting tougher shots. You know, there are shots I look at from certain games that we should have won, and I'm like, man, I need to hit that shot. Like, shots that just need you need to make as the go-to guy. You know, I think I talked to Dame a lot about that, you know, he obviously he hits miraculous shots from half court. And <laughs> yeah. even yourself, you know, you hit shots, you know, you're coming off a handoff and falling out of bounds and you hit him yeah. at the right time during the playoffs or whatever. So you gotta be able to, as the guy and you're the you're the, the leader the vet on that team, you gotta be able to make shots when the going gets tough. Yeah. So those are the things I've really been working on and finding a mid range. <laughs> gotta find a mid range at some point in time. You feel like it's threes
0: or rim right now? Yeah.
1: I mean mid range will be there like Two or three times a week, yeah, and then everything
0: else is like right. here, 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 nor there. I, it's interesting you bring up sort of the shape you have to be in to be a primary scorer in the NBA. Mm. I've always marveled at um, guys like Iverson and Kobe, who could shoot like thirty-five or forty times in a game. Mm. It's like you—you you had games this year where you took twenty-five to thirty-five shots. It's so hard yeah. to shoot that many shots.
1: It, it is, and. People say, "Oh, you just shoot it every time you want." But it's not so much shooting; it's finding the good shots to take. Yeah. You know, we had one game against San Antonio. I um, had 36 shots. And, you know, I'm I, f- I can feel when I shoot. Like I can feel like All right, I'm taking a lot of shots. You know, and they're not going in. So I was like 12 or 36 or whatever it was. Like whatever, it was a bad like bad shooting night. Yeah. And I get to the bench and ask my coach, like, how many shots i taking? taken. And <laughs> the first thing he said. Why is that Why is that what you're worried about?
0: Who, who said this is Quinn?
1: Uh, no, this is uh, Sagana Jop. Oh, Sagana okay. Jop? yeah. I'm like I asked when I said, yeah. Ghana. Um, none, of, none of the coaches know this. Like I'm like, Ghana, I feel like I'm shooting a lot. How many shots? he's like, why are you, are you worrying about the wrong thing? You know, yeah. and a lot of my success is a lot of my confidence in taking all those shots that people say are ridiculous and crazy yeah. shots because my teammates say shoot the ball right you know my teammates are the ones backing me on that you know if you have teammates that are like why is this dude shooting the ball 36 times then it's a different story but my teammates if I don't shoot a shot like Joe Ingles right. is going to let me know in the timeout he'll go, he'll spend the three minutes to say shoot the fucking ball like we need you to shoot the ball like shoot it like you know what I mean so I think that gives me the confidence to go out there and take certain shots and it may not always be the shot that is like wanted but that's because it's my what I've gotten to understand is my first year and I try my hardest not to say, Oh, it's my first year, I can take this shot. You know, I try to hold myself to a level that Damien holds himself to, that K D holds himself to, like, all right, fourth quarter comes, I need to hit the shot no matter if it's contested, falling out of bounds, whatever it may be, I need to hit it. You know, and sometimes my ambitions have gotten the best of me and I've airballed shots to the side of the backboard, but the confidence is there,
0: and that comes from my teammates telling me to shoot the ball. You had a game against us, I think it was in November. Um, I played U- terrible both times Utah. I played y'all just want yeah. to let you know that now <laughs> yeah I'm going to bring up one of them um, <laughs> and <laughs> I think we beat you guys both times yes you yeah. did uh, um, but you were like 3 for 21 it was, was like early in the there. season it was probably like game let's call it game 15 somewhere yep. in that 15 3 of 21 to, yeah and you were 3 of 21 and I remember thinking to myself after the game like I felt like you had killed that game number one and I felt like you had taken all good shots and I felt like that was a lot of shots for a rookie to take. Mm.
1: <laughs> that was that was early on, too. That like, was early. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, you had had some nice offensive games. You hadn't had sort of the stretches that you had later in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and the relationship with Quinn, because he's he's ultimately the guy that's sort of steering the ship. Um, what is it about him that you feel that freedom to go three for 21 And then the next game, come back just as aggressive. It's got to come from more than just your teammates. Yeah,
1: he's the same one saying the same thing. You know, shoot the ball. And I think after that game specifically, we played the Chicago Bulls. And there were times where we looked at the film and we were like, all right, maybe this shot can be a pass. Maybe this layup can be a pass to the corner. Stuff that as a rookie or as a young player I don't see, you know, at that time. Like, to be honest, like, I get to the rim if I see a six-eight dude in front of me or whatever, either a trying to dunk on him, or like I don't, I lose all sight of like what's all going on out there. I just try and finish because that's what I've been used to my whole life. Just yeah. trying to, I can be able to dunk on people or finish at the rim. So we had film right after that game. Him and I, we sat down and we were like, all right, this is what this this shot needs to be a pass or run a different play, whatever it may be. And the next game, I took four shots. And you know, it's easy to say well, how'd you continue the confidence, but. The next game, I took four shots. We played the Chicago Bulls at home. We won by a lot, but I only took four shots and I had like eight assists. And I passed the ball every chance I got because it was. I was like, like, like shit. You know, I went three of twenty-one. I let the pions. I let the individual matchup get the best of me. You know, I talked to Ty. We had dinner. I'm like, look, this game. I'm. I'm this is the game. You know, and I'm not the type of person to be the night before. Like, I'm gonna go ahead and kill. Like, it's just. Yeah. You know, so I let that get the best of me. So I wasn't playing for. My teammates that game. That was the, That's not me. I was playing for like. All right, I'm gonna kick your ass. So, got out there, didn't play well. Next game, I go out and pass the ball. Are you saying
0: your personal matchup with Ben?
1: Yes. Okay. One hundred percent. Okay. One hundred percent. Just wanted to be clear on that. <laughs> <laughs> and I get out there and I pass the ball every time to every every guy that's open. And now I'm I'm like, all right, now I'm now I'm starting to get it. So then the game after that, I have like. 20 and six. So I'm like, all right, now I'm starting to get it. And from there it started to pick up. So now I now I was able to get both. You know, we don't have a lot of practice time, so I don't have a lot of time to get these reps. So I'm not saying I use Chicago as a game to get reps, but like I literally overdid it. You know, and Quinn always makes a joke, like when he teaches me something, I overdo it. So like if I work on a mid range jump shot, all practice, the next game I'm shooting all mid range. That's that's just how it was all season. If I Work on a corner three. I'm finding a way to get to the corner and shoot a three as many times as I can because I just worked on it. So there's overconfidence in it. So that really propelled me to get to and helped
0: me get to where I'm at now. Was it surprising? I don't want to say what you did this year was easy. But mm-hmm. were, were, was it surprising to you the uh, the level of success you had? Yeah, every bit of it up until the end. So going into year two then... What is the expectation of yourself? One, we got to make it past
1: the second round. Okay. Um, whatever that may be, um, for me personally, I got to get my assist numbers up. My better rebounder than it shows, and I got to become more efficient. Um, like I said, hitting tougher shots. Um, I got to be a guy who, you look at. I've watched Kevin Durant a lot these playoffs. Yeah. I watched the game. I was at Game Three. And it felt like every time he had the ball, it was like, "Oh shit, like here we go." I feel like that was the atmosphere in Cleveland. I want that same atmosphere everywhere I go. You know, like when Jordan has the ball, every time he has the ball, it's like, "Oh damn, here we go again." Kobe, same thing. You know, I want that same level of respect. And obviously, it's not going to come just off of one year, but that's that's where I'm at. You know, I'm not at this is year two for me. I'm at year four. You know, mentally, all right, this is where I need to be at. This is they're gonna. I've seen all the coverages. I feel like, you know, teams have double teamed me. They've denied me. Uh, They've sacked off of Ricky. They've sacked off of whatever. So I've seen a lot in my first year. So now it's like, all right, now I need to pick it up a lot more. Like, this is not trying to be a gradual adjustment. This is trying to be an even different person than, than last year. Like, last year is over with. never happened. I need to be even higher. I
0: have a technical question on your shooting. Your lower body, when you shoot, is, like, the best I've ever seen. Really? in terms of staying square i watch steph kd clay is probably the second best i've seen i'm terrible at it but i always sort of inevitably <laughs> swim back into it to the right like my right leg always gets out in front my kevin durant does it like, his, like this way like, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and it doesn't i when i watch you in the playoffs. Didn't matter like if you were going right or left, mm-hmm. you were somehow able to like maintain the squareness in your lower body. For me, upper body's easy; where right? I can square that up, mm-hmm. easy. How is that something you work on, or is that some, that's just the way you've always shot? To be honest, do I've I need never to do more squats? Be, I've never like, heard that going going
1: before. <laughs> 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 to be honest, I've never heard that before. Really, like, I never looked at it. My biggest thing when Coach P and I worked on my because I shot twenty five percent from the three of my first year. Yeah, and I came out there. And the first thing I worked on was my arc on my jump shot. I shot a real flat basketball. So I worked on my arc and just keeping my my elbow in. You know, a lot of times it would be, like, and holding my follow through. So those three things, you know, there's a lot. As a shooter, you're supposed to work on, like, one thing. I was yeah. told, like, one thing and you get better at it. But yeah. I did three things, like, in one summer. That's tough. And I went up 10%. Yeah. And I think he gave me that chest because he felt like I could handle it, you know, and not go too crazy with it. Like, oh, I got to do this, 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 and that. But... My biggest thing was those three things I just told you. I didn't really think about the the lower body. All I said was left foot down, right foot right. down, get and get the shot up. I really didn't think about the lower
0: body. I mean, like that. there's certain shots that and it's inevitable that you're going to twist a little bit. Mm-hmm. As if you're running away from the basket around a pin down and you turn and shoot at 25 feet, like yeah. you're going to have some variance in your legs. I'm actually I'm I'm when i start my basketball workouts like my first week i'm going to record everything because i really want to know like i'm like a visual then to feel person does Mm. that make sense i have to see something first and then remember how did that feel now that i've seen it Mm. and i can sort of transfer that anyways that's one of the things that i want to like focus on this summer Mm. with with my own shooting is keeping that lower body sort of square um donovan you've been a been a great guest i really appreciate all the time i'm a huge fan and uh, best of luck next season, man.
1: I appreciate it. Thank right. you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this special episode of the JJ Reddick Podcast. Thank you, Donovan Mitchell, for coming on the show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, if you have suggestions, comments, rants about the show, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter, at JJ Reddick. I'll be back soon. Take care. Support for today's show comes from Control GX, the first shampoo that gradually reduces gray from just for men. Just use Control GX as you would your regular shampoo until you like what you see. Subtle, natural looking results. That's definitely what I like to like to see after a shower. Shampoo in, rinse out, move on. Most guys get the results they want in about two weeks. Look forward to a smart look with Control GX. And here's the good news. You can get 25% off Control GX using code REGROWTH25 at controlgx.com. That's code R-E-G-R-O-W-T-H 25 to get 25% off Control GX at controlgx.com.